0: welcome to The Daily Objective. Uh, We are back in our uh, usual format of doing this on Zoom, although I'm uh, sure we'll be back to to doing it live uh, soon enough. I'm here with Mark Pellegrino, and uh, today we're going to be discussing, uh, what was the title? The Complete Idiot's Guide to, uh, uh, what was it? Defeating Israel. (laughs) And uh, uh, there's basically a bunch of stuff in there about uh, uh, you know that we're going to discuss, and and this is going to be a shorter than usual episode. We are going to try to keep it to the original plan of having the daily objective be a twenty-minute show because uh, I have to go run the London Ayn meet up in an hour uh, in a different location. So, um, but yeah, uh, so in uh, you may have seen in the news, and you may have not uh, because it's not headline news when Israelis are killed, but uh, there have been. Quite a few terrorist attacks in in recent weeks um, against Israelis. Uh, Israel has not really responded militarily. It, it did what it usually does, which is talk about you know how uh, severe a military response uh, the Palestinians will experience if you know if if there's more of it, and um, that never happened. But also Israel's uh, uh, bizarre coalition, which we've spoken about on this show in the past, is uh, it looks like it's in trouble. So it's a coalition that had sixty one members of the uh, Israeli parliament of the of the uh, of the hundred and twenty members. So it's a very it's a majority as you can have, and one of those uh, sixty one uh, has now left the ruling party. The ruling party, which had I, I believe six seats in parliament uh before that now has five or had seven and has six um uh left over that's also not very clear but either the terrorist attacks or some combination of the terrorist attacks and the fact that um in passover uh the the um uh health minister has decided that in hospitals they will be giving non uh, food that is not kosher for passover uh, there's Passover has its own kosher rules, and uh, if you're in an Israeli hospital during Passover, you will be able to get some uh, some food that doesn't follow these rules. Which to which uh, one quote I saw from her was uh, not on my watch. So uh, interesting things going on in Israel. The uh, you know the the yes yeah, this this government uh, could be in trouble, and if it's not in trouble, I guess the people of Israel are in trouble. And if you know if if there's a replacement, uh, that the second part isn't actually going to change. So, Mark, you you uh, follow Israel closely. Uh, you've expressed your views and have uh, received a fair amount of trolling over them. Uh, what are your thoughts, either specifically around what's going on now, or or uh, generally?
1: Yeah, my thoughts are more general. I think you you know the more the minutiae of what's going on politically. Dynamics politically of that parliamentary system over there, and I'm I'm certainly less clued clued into that, and not really sure how that fits into the the, the global scenario of the world impression of Israel. Um, uh, but my point of view is the opponents of Israel uh, at, at the moment, or for the last several years that I've been engaging them since 2014, seem to have the moral high ground, and I think they're u- using um, uh, the dominant ethics that are around the world to to capitalize on on incidents over there and to manipulate those incidents into their favor. And uh, I've noticed a a sort of consistency um, in the movement in the United States sort of stemming from cultural Marxism to break confidence in Western civilization and democratic institutions. Um, with the purpose of morally uh, uh, mo- breaking the the moral constitution of the people so they no longer fight for for what they want to be as as uh, prevalent probably there at least on social media as it is here, so that um, it's very difficult for people to fight for something that they don't morally believe in and I, and I think that's one of the tactics used by the opponents of Israel is to attack Western culture, anything that stems from it, and to demoralize the population into thinking that anything that came from Western culture, democratic institutions included, are just as bad as any other uh, government out there and and or or just as worthy of sovereignty as any other government out there. Um, And that's one of the tactics uh, some of the opponents of Israel use to demoralize any defenders of, of Israel. I've also found they they decontextualize uh, military retaliations a lot. They exaggerate and conflate um, things things that have a sort of um, facile similarity to to um, other other government trends in other parts of the world. Uh, for example, the, the fact that there's a wall in Israel separating um Palestinians from Israelis uh gets conflated with apartheid uh, Africa again just attempting to sabotage the moral confidence that people c- can have in their in their cause and usurping it with this uh moral high ground that doesn't really exist
0: yeah i think the um the uh the issue of uh israel's conflict with the palestinians and uh the, the political movement supporting, support, supposedly supporting the Palestinians. It's, it's an anti-Israel movement. It's not pro anything. Um, that movement and the people who choose that as their issue are some of the most despicable people in uh, in political activism in the world. Because it's you know of all of all the issues and of all the conflicts of, of anything you see in the world, if you you know zero in on the Middle East and then you, you choose of those two sides, the side that is, you know, relatively free rather than the side that is still, uh, barbaric and, and, uh, primitive, then, uh, yeah, that, that, that says a lot about these, uh, these activists. Now the, the moral, uh, sort of foundations of, of those views are very similar, unfortunately, to, uh, to the philosophical principles guiding most people in the world, including Israel. So we see Israel's, uh, Moral relativism, you know, with the prime minister who's now in political trouble, uh, a few weeks ago, at least to, to Israelis, uh, he was being sold as the, the person who's going to bring peace to uh, Ukraine. And that's because he was pretty much neutral about, about that issue. And, and the, the explanation for Israel, Israel's neutrality on uh, on the war in Ukraine is that you know it's some political you know issue with Russia and and uh, how Russia can uh, can harm Israel and Russia has been harming Israel since the beginning of time you know since since Israel uh, first established itself as an independent state Russia has always sided with Israel's enemies it still does to this day i mean we have um, you know we have these uh, while, while the world is impressively taking the right side uh, on the war in ukraine uh, there are still negotiations with Iran on, you know, how 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 can we pay them off to uh, not build their nukes that will obviously be targeted at, at Israel. So um, it's it's a shame that Israel clearly has the moral high ground and uh, doesn't understand it and can't really claim it.
1: That's because the confidence in in their institutions and what they stand for has been eroded. So much equivocation on the other side, um, unfortunately, they believe the Israelis and many people in America believe the propaganda um and and you're right it's exploiting a dominant ethics you know it's it's, it's exploiting uh the um, the prominence and and moral stature of victims and the idea that if you're 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 poor and benighted it's likely because somebody big and powerful is depriving you of the the capacity to make your life better. None of which is actually going on in Israel, but, um, you know, the, the, the extreme, uh, the extreme co- conflict of, um, uh, I say of images, the juxtaposition of, you know, something, a, 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 a city is thriving as Tel Aviv and, you know, Gaza in its poverty and overpopulation. Um, it's difficult for people to grasp, uh, that those th- those causes and effects uh, are are not are not um, are not what they what they think they are. It's not it's not these dominance um, these dominance uh, structures that uh, that that we've grown up thinking exist. It's a result of values, and it's a result of something good that's been disparaged for many many years.
0: Yeah and and as you mentioned you know we we see uh, these movements sort of the the anti-israel sentiment uh, grow around the world and especially it's it's especially troubling when it's in america because europe as much as i uh, hope to be wrong about this i think the way europe will be better is if it takes uh, the lead from you know from america or you know, follows america's lead in uh, but but not the way america is is today i think i think it's it's actually going the other way around and, and America is uh, becoming more more like Europe philosophically uh, and um, you know Israel a good example of Israel's uh, kind of moral relativism is the actual the, the coalition government that uh, is now down to 60 of the 120 members and it'll be interesting uh, to see to see what what that turns into, because this is uh, so the Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is supposedly to the right of Netanyahu and uh, Netanyahu is supposedly center right. And, uh, you know, Bennett was one of those people who always criticized Netanyahu for not responding strongly enough militarily to terrorism. And of course, he's he's now doing nothing. Uh, why is he doing nothing like, to give him like the benefit of the doubt? It's because he can't because of the coalition he leads. So uh, anything, you know, anything to do with, uh, with the, the platform on which he ran would mean, uh, you know, the, the end of his government. He, he can't rule with this coalition uh, doing what he promised voters he would do because his coalition is full of parties uh, that are, you know, pretty far to the left. Uh, There's a party, an Islamist party in there that uh, historically would never sit in a government, uh, in a coalition. They are opposed to the very existence of the state of Israel and somehow they're a part of the coalition. Um, And and this coalition uh, came about just because uh, of of, uh, anti-Netanyahu sentiment. They wanted to get rid of Netanyahu and that in and of itself was not a bad idea because Netanyahu was not good as prime minister, but that's all they have in common and that's all that's been holding it together and uh this woman who now left the coalition left because she was promised a uh seat in netanyahu's party uh a seat in his government she was promised some i think she was promised health ministry if i'm if i'm not mistaken so uh and and this is how politics works in israel you basically nobody ever gets a majority and the way you uh, you form a government is you buy off politicians with uh, with promises of uh, prominent roles. I mean, it's government.
1: more obvious. It's more obvious in the parliamentary system, but it seems to be the way they do politics out here now as well.
0: Yes, but you elect a president for four years and that's the president. Like there, there's no, you know, right. the Senate can't, uh, well, they can, but, you know, they, they need very good reason to get rid of a president. And, and even then, uh, it's not like it's, it's going to be the next person in line who was elected with the president. So,
1: well, I think as we've seen from the last uh, two impeachments, it's not necessarily true that they need a good reason to displace the president. Uh, they just need a consensus. They need people who are believing the same story.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he wasn't removed from power, so impeachment—impeachment impeachment in in and of itself is not is not even that uh, that much of a thing. It's it's kind of a, you know symbolic gesture. Uh, and uh,
1: impeachment by the House, true, but a conviction from the Senate would have been uh, unprecedented and yeah. and a real a real thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then and then somebody from the same party would be would be president. So it's definitely a more stable uh, situation. I mean, in Israel, there was in what was it a two year period? There were four general elections, which is unprecedented for Israel, uh, and three of them were within within a year. And I think I think it's been less than a year from the last. I don't remember when exactly the last one was. It was sometime last year. Um, but yeah, this this uh, government. Uh, which is, it's possible it will collapse in the next few days, uh, that might lead to another election. So uh, the, the political system in Israel is very unstable. When there is some stability, it's, it's uh, being paid for uh, by you know, the, the buying of, uh, of politicians. So, and um, that's, that's always a bad situation wherever you are, but it's a, it's a deadly situation. In a country that is surrounded by enemies that just want to annihilate it, so yeah, I think uh...
1: indeed. And um, what what is what is the? Well, this may sound this is a terrible way to phrase this question, but um, why is it a mark of a free country to allow parties to exist on the political sphere that seek the destruction? of the socio-political world in which they inhabit. Like, I, I think it was, I, I thought it was a complete, a totally rational move when it was in the 1950s to, um, or it might've been earlier, to ban the Communist Party, to to ban it from any political action. And I think it would be appropriate for Israel to do the same with Islamicists if they are um, not only against the, the, the state of Israel and the welfare of Israel, but... Against the, dem- the democratic system itself, which they're just exploiting for their own purposes. Why don't they ban these parties?
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely think, in some cases uh, in Israel, th- these parties should have been banned, if not the parties, then individual politicians. And in quite a few of the cases, or, or, or not quite a few, several cases, uh, somebody served in parliament for a while. There was one who disappeared and it was later discovered that he was on the payroll of Hezbollah, I think. And uh, uh, there was another one who was on the payroll of Yasser Arafat and was serving in parliament like after that and during that. And and uh, yeah, I guess this is this is some package dealing of, of free speech where, uh, you know, free speech means you have the right to implement whatever ideas you have, which of course you should not have if that means... Uh, Uh, violating somebody else's rights
1: yeah the west really needs to get straight on this (laughs) they really need to get straight on this israel especially since the i mean they're surrounded by people who hate them do you do you do you think that um israel's uh got a limited life yes given given the international hatred of it and then massive disinformation campaigns that go on and and the people who the manpower harnessed in Malaysia and the hatred I, I see online from Ireland, and other parts of the UK for Israel, they think they're fighting for the David in the David and Goliath uh, power scenario. Um, and I don't, see any, I don't see any concerted opposition to that. Not, not really.
0: Yeah, I, I do think Israel has a limited life. Um, I, I don't know exactly how limited it is. But yeah, I, I would not be surprised if in my lifetime, Israel ceases to exist. And I don't think it's because of the, the hatred around the world. I think if Israel stood up for itself, as it did in the past, when Israel stood up for itself, uh, it was admired uh, around the world. So um, but, uh,
1: but I don't, th- but I think the world is, has changed. I think philosophically and morally changed standing up for yourself now um, is a mark of weakness, especially if y- your opponent is smaller than you. If, if your opponent has the audacity to be poor and small and pick a fight with you and you're big and strong and have the capacity to annihilate that you're the one, the onus, the onus for, for all the violence. Uh, and, and so the proof, proof of the the, the the weight the burden of evidence is on you not on them they, they they can do any savage thing they choose because of their moral or because of their economic socioeconomic position and you are are shackled as as far as the world is concerned
0: yes but i i also think you know a strong israel would uh you know could could revive some of that uh you know Idea of uh, of I want to say hero worship or or something to that effect. Like if if Israel actually uh, stood up for itself properly, it will. Uh, I think I think it will gain admirers. Now it'll still have the people who hate them, but right now Israel is looking to pander to those people. Whenever you see a military operation in Gaza, you'll see spokespersons for the IDF saying. Israel is the most moral army in the world, and when when they explain why that is, it's because it sends soldiers uh, on ground operations where they know soldiers will die, to uh, in order to prevent civilian casualties on the other side. So if you have you know a situation where you know you can you can win it easily from the air, but possibly civilians yeah. will die. Uh, yeah, we're
1: we're infected with that same just war um, virus in America too, and it's. Um it's It's degrading to self-esteem and and even even to express that an army is good because it uh, doesn't regard its own citizen safety as paramount, but the enemy's safety as paramount is just moral morally degrading. So I mean, t- to me, uh, you know pretty much all of Europe supported Israel in the beginning when they were weak and small, uh, but once they started to defend themselves aptly against um, their enemies, they started to lose that support, I think. Because you know the the moral landscape is what it is, um, and I think expressions of strength um, aggravate people. I mean, most people who buy that, that ethics that you know, if you're rich and powerful, you got there by stomping on somebody's neck, and you know, a little comeuppance from the other side isn't is not a bad thing. It's actually good um and i think many people look at the israel palestine dynamic in that way and i think israel's not doing much to combat that other than a- acknowledging the the morality the moral high ground of the other side and attempting to appease it which i think is a terrible mistake
0: yeah yeah and and ultimately i mean you know, either way, whether how whatever however the world might react to Israel standing up for itself, if it doesn't stand up for itself, it will lose. I mean, ultimately, you know, the the other side and, and the other side is not just the Palestinians. It's it's easy to look at it that way because then then you can see the Palestinians as supposedly weaker. Uh, if you actually look at the landscape of enemies that Israel has in the in the Middle East, Israel is also the weaker side in, in that. But if it yeah, if it doesn't stand up for itself, the enemies will will continue to get stronger, Israel will continue to get weaker, and uh it, it will, you know, my my look and
1: and they're relentless. They think they have the moral high ground and they they see an end to this. Uh an end where Israel was pushed out of existence and they quote unquote take over or take back what was theirs. That's the way they look at it. Um, And I don't know that, does Israel have the same resolve? I don't know. I don't see it online. I see individual Israelis and Jews fighting for something rational. And I see hordes, hordes of the opposite side um, um, relentlessly uh, attacking, exhausting. They're an exhausting group of immoral boneheads.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, I don't. I don't think there's much of that in Israel. I think there's a, a, actually the people who are the most, uh, you know, clear on their support for Israel within Israel are usually uh, on that side for religious reasons. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's uh, there's not much hope. Um, and on that optimistic note, I think we <laughs> need to wrap up. Uh, thank you, Bonnie, for the super chat. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we have a more optimistic show because, uh, we will be talking about the week we had in London. Uh, we have tomorrow's the Thursday collective. So, uh, Mark, uh, it'll be you, Jonathan, Raka, maybe I'll join that as well. And, uh, we will talk about the week we had in London and, uh, what we can do, how you can do it again in the future. And, I, and, and I'll, I'll be, t- and I'll, I'll, be, I'll
1: be, be listening be. to the week that I missed.
0: Yes. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll, uh, you know, be convinced to, uh, to join us next time. Although I know I know you uh, you wanted to and weren't able to. Um, yeah. And we have, uh, since it is uh, the day of the London Ayn Rand meetup, we don't have any shows in the next few hours, but it's uh, 10 p.m. UK time, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Cutting Edge with Lee Pearson, uh, it's part two of uh, the show on affordances and perceptual uh, inerrancy with guest Harry Binswanger, once again. Oof. That's a mouthful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I remember Nikos uh, talking about part one of that and saying I don't I don't know two of the four words in that title. Uh, that that's true of me as well. But I think I I hope I pronounce them correctly. Uh, thanks everyone, and uh, see you back here tomorrow. Thanks guys.